Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Uh, early morning. It's morning optimism with Eck and Mike. Um, <laughs> well, maybe from one of us. Or breakfast. Um, that was pretty bad. I was trying to find something. No, I, 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 somebody made a comment. A friend of mine made a comment yesterday about my by my negativity. Uh, Russ will be uh, Russ was happy yesterday because Jacob Degrom, the pitcher for the Mets, got extended five years for like one hundred and forty million dollars. And the first thing that came to mind was, yeah, in a month he'll blow out his arm. <laughs> because that's that's usually that's usually the way it happens. They get they get this long term deal. One of the Yankees pitchers, he got a four year extension, and then you know all of a sudden he's got a sore rotator cuff. So it's like it it it, it, it almost never fails. That happens. No, you're it's uh it's, a four year extension, and then, you know all oh, of a sudden he's got a hell? sore rotator cuff. Replay. We're in endless Mike Loop. Stop. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, it was my my thought was so profound. We needed to hear it twice. Had to hear it twice. <laughs> yes, I apologize. Jeez. Uh, yeah, and it's what happens when you do things early in the morning. Um, but yeah, you know, baseball. Hey, kids, you should, kids should still play baseball. You're make that kind of money. Tell me. It. I mean, as much as as much as like it is like, I was joking with the parents the other day about you know about the worst sports to to watch your kids play and like they like you know like you know because as you grow up you have your you know my kids are my kids have played every, almost everything you know like uh, no one played football here. I played tons of football. I was a, I was a quarterback and freshman from my freshman high school team. But if if you base it if you base it on the reaction of the parents, I would say it's it's youth hockey because no youth hockey is fun to go to. Uh, well, not not when you're dealing with psychotic parents and no I, no. There's definitely psychotic parents that, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of like uh, entitled parents in youth hockey because yes. it's a, it's a, there's a, there's you know money in youth hockey and people feel like there's you know for whatever it's worth, but um. But no, but actually going to that's those are fun games. I got my buddy, none of my kids played youth hockey, which is very sad for me. But um, but you know, but but means I can also eat, you know, at the end of the month because youth hockey is incredibly expensive. Yes. Um, but um, I've gone to my buddy's buddy plays kid plays youth hockey, and that's often they play out here near us, even though they live in South Jersey and they play a team out here. And I go to those games. They are they are crazy. They're fun though. I mean that that. Jeez, like I, I, I'm always so jealous. Like this is crazy because I, I grew up. You know, my daughter played soccer mostly. Um, you know, soccer's, eh, you know, I've gotten into it over the years because I've been an assistant coach. If I was just a parent watching it, I think I would lose my mind. But as assistant coach, I'm doing things. Um, but if I was just watching it, I think I would definitely lose my mind. But the worst by far, I mean, t ball is pretty bad. That's why I started this whole thing because t ball, where everybody bats every inning and people hit off the tee and it's just like there's no score being kept. That's that's pretty much a a lesson in monotony, but the worst by far, there's no two ways about it is swimming. Okay. Swimming is the worst because you're, first of all, you're going into dank, um, humid buildings like, you know, that are like, cause even in the middle of winter, they gotta be like 80 degrees in there or whatever. So you're coming out of the cold. You've got all this heavy stuff on because it's freezing. You're getting, stepping into an 85 degree. You're peeling off stuff. Everybody's sweating. It feels like germs are just hovering in the air. 
Um, and, and to watch kids swim when everybody looks exactly the same. Okay. So everybody's got like the same uniform on the same, you know, hat same on, yeah. Cap on, and, and you just watch them swim back and forth. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're selling me on it right now. It's, no, like, so, so it's like, so it gets to the point. Like I was there. I, I remember going to my daughter's first meet and I was there, showed up with my son and, and my wife's like, you can take your time because it's going to, she's not swimming for a while. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and we get there and I'm like, what, what meet is it now? It's, it's meet B 16. I'm like, well, what meet is she swimming in? She's swimming in J 42, like that kind of thing. I was like, <laughs> how the hell is this kept? So, um, I remember being so hot going outside in short sleeves in the snow for a second to get relief from the heat. Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, the swimming is the worst by far. I, I really feel for people like one of my buddies, um, your daughter going for a, going for a scholarship in swimming. I just, oh. God. You're making you're making me feel good that I didn't have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Youth sports, youth sports are one of the one of the one of the joys of children. But but um, this that's one of them you want to definitely stay away from. Yeah. Um, the but the what I want to talk about for a second, we'll get right into this show. Um, in the morning, we're doing this today because of scheduling. So we wanted to definitely, I definitely want to do a show. I've missed too many shows, so I'm have to put up with me today. Um, but um, the uh, one of my guilty pleasures is the show Finding Bigfoot. Okay. Never which, seen it. Which you've never seen, right? So never seen it. As you can imagine, they haven't, you know, they haven't found Bigfoot. Or you probably would have heard about it. Um, <laughs> <You're a> <laughs> that's one of the things that you can, can you be sure of. If you've never seen Finding Bigfoot, you do know how it ends. They're in their 12th season. This is the final season of Finding Bigfoot. So maybe they'll find it this time? Uh, yeah, you wonder, you know. And it's funny, their optimism is still... but. I don't know if anybody's out there has seen it. If you've seen it, you feel free to comment on it because it's so much fun. Um, it's it is really literally my my son calls it finding trees. Like what it is is, and he's it, absolutely dead on right about it. You know, it's these guys walking through the woods at night. You know, with these cameras on and and like and and every episode, it's like the the it is the best show by far ever at the at the at cliffhangers or teasers. Like it, it's the kind of thing, like you know, coming up and you'll see a guy like, oh my god, what's that? You know, and then, <laughs> and then they'll go to commercial, <laughs> and they'll come back and they'll be like, oh my god, what's that? And it's oh, that's just that's just a that's just a beaver. It's an owl. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's just, it is the funniest thing, and um, it's just the way they do it. It's amazing that they've gotten twelve years out of this. Is off the charts unbelievable it's the biggest it's the biggest miracle in television history I, I think it's also a commentary on the gullibility of their of the fan base <laughs> it, it's become like how many ways can they not find bigfoot like well I, okay i'll come i'll come to the defense of of the people who watch finding bigfoot because yeah. there is an audience for crap like say yes to the dress oh yeah 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 like, you know, yeah. like, and, and like uh, you know I, I have i have female relatives that watch this show religiously and i'm like what the hell are you watching oh i know there's no question i mean i've i mean there's that there's I mean, I, I got hooked on Siesta Key, the reality show, which is ridiculous. I mean, and I'm not, a, and you know, my, my daughter watches Big Brother all the time, loves it. Um, you know, but it's, it's just very funny how, I mean, all, and all those things are like relationship based, and, and that's, you know, you can always build a show off relationships, but building a show off of not finding something for 12 years. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm a person who, like, before this show, believe maybe bigfoot could possibly exist like it's i'm not like you know not likely but you know possible i, I have to say and then we'll then we'll start the show i have yeah. to say that a 
maybe five, four or five years ago, I would have thought it was it would be impossible for me to be and not be. I, I know the the term cord cutter is put out there, but to, yeah. to somebody to be somebody who would not subscribe to cable, other than live sports. There's nothing I really watch. I mean, like I'm I'm looking forward to Game of Game of Thrones on HBO. But once Game of Thrones is over with, I mean, and plus you can get HBO via like YouTube Live or other. Yeah, you don't need. You, know, you really, you really don't need. Right. And the way the cable companies are charging right now, I'm paying like 250 bucks a month for for cable and internet and phone and all that stuff. I'm sorry. It's like I other than other than like the center ice package. And watching Yankee games on TV, I don't watch. I don't watch like the you know. I can get the news on like the basic cable package. I, I it's it's a waste of money. I'm getting to the point now where I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna be somebody who significantly pairs down what I what I get from cable and maybe even go to some other avenue because it's just not worth it. Well, and yeah, there's no. It is. I mean, live sports are the only reason to have cable these days. Um, and there's no, there's no, there is no two ways about that. And and even, but and the other thing is though, of course, the cable companies are the ones that are serving our internet to us, right? So yes, that's that's that was where cable companies were smart. Um, but but they but they kind of you know it was it was a pretty obvious fit. They were already running cables into our house, right? So it was and, pretty- and what the, what they're doing, act is they're they're increasing. Like if you want to get just high, like um high speed internet and you're not getting cable or just getting basic cable they boosted the price of that to the point now that it makes more sense just to get the cable because there's not much savings well you know what's happening and it's happening in the um in the in the in the industry also in the newspaper industry if you like if you subscribe to the new york times i think it is online yeah um, you get the paper yeah it's cheaper if you get the paper as well delivered to you which is yeah. like crazy, and of course that's all because the advertising, the paper, like they're trying to sell the advertising. It's gonna be, it's the same thing with cable TV. It's okay. gonna be, it's gonna go the same way. Like there's no question that cable TV will eventually be almost free. I mean, it'll just be one. I think, I think that's what's gonna happen. It'll become like a free thing that gets sent to you because the advertise that they're, you know, when you buy your internet, you get, you get a certain speed of internet, you get cable for free. It's almost there now. I mean, it's really close enough now. Yeah, well, the funny thing is that the Buffalo News does it the exact opposite of the way you described it for the New York Times. If you buy the paper, you get the online for free. It used to be that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still they're still doing that, but they're, they're still doing that. But it, yeah. and that's the fun. That's the that's the funny thing is though you're gonna you are I've I've even heard the opposite though where you know it actually exists the opposite direction too where you know and that's because they want to sell the advertising on newspapers is really what newspapers live off of. That's, that's how newspapers survive for so many years. Right. So, you know, and it's going to be the same here. I mean, it's going to be the same here for sure. It's, it, it's, it's going to be the fact that, you know, you're going to just get, you know, I can't wait for the first internet, the first internet company or slash cable company like Comcast to say, you know, Comcast basic cable is now free. And, and, and the internet and, you know, and they just take the, they make, they put the price, they move the price up of, of the, uh, you know, uh, of the of the of the internet itself and make the cable TV free, and right. then you know hopefully people will say oh I'll pay five dollars for HBO I'll pay this or whatever right that's the way they should do it that's the way it'll well, that money the way no matter how they slice it it's just a matter of how they do it right so that was the plan years ago there was supposed to be sort of an a la carte 
yeah. type of approach to cable where like you instead of the packages that you were getting that you could say, I want this channel, but I don't want that channel. But they're still doing it with packages. It's like, you know, the silver pack, yeah. you don't get the NHL network, but the gold package, you do get the NHL. Network. Right, right. I, I that that makes me crazy, too. Like, you know, but, but at this point, you know, really, we just need some cable company to say, here's every channel in the world if you want it. You know, pay, pay, like pay, pay for every channel in the world. Because I would, I would pay, I would pay money to get TSN, you know, or yeah. that down in down in America. You know, um, of course, there's other ways to do that too. We all know that, but there's, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's not either here nor there. Anyway, let's move on. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I was a Bill C in the chat room saying, um, uh, PlayStation View. Be, it says I had PlayStation View because it was one of the only places I could find Nesson for the Bruins. Yeah, like. Uh, PlayStation right. View is actually a really good service for the, in, in general. Like they have a lot of good hockey stuff on there, and PlayStation okay. Hockey app is good too. Um, and Play and PlayStation itself is fun, so that's not a bad that's not a bad way to go. Um, Hulu does, and and Skis Thirty Six is saying that you know YouTube TV and Hulu have live sports NHL games at least, and they do that's for sure. Um, although I've always had trouble getting the Hulu NHL games to work for me for some reason. I don't know why. It's just yeah. Yeah, but, um, but you know that's. I think maybe I have to pay something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not paying or whatever. But there's definitely um, issues. I mean, and Apple just had a big thing um, two days ago about all the stuff that they're doing. So there's def it's you know we're the it's an evolution right now. TV as we know it are is gone. You know, and, and for hockey fans, there's going to be there's got to be other there's better options. We should do it at some point. The best way to watch hockey online, we should definitely do a show about that. Sure. All right, illegally, illegally. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, here we go. Um, let's get going here. Today we're going to talk about the race to the bottom, kids. All right. Something I'm an expert at. We'll figure it just if I just have Mike, I might as well do the. Uh, we'll just talk about the worst possible scenarios for all the teams, or the best, depending on how you look at. Hmm. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, March twenty seventh, two thousand and nineteen. Good morning. I'm Michael Agello. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. The podcast comes every Monday through Friday at this time, or not usually at this time, but at a, a time. To fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world, we're doing early today for scheduling purposes. We really thank you all for joining us. Um, and thanks so many good people in the chat room. You guys are up early, too, which is nice to see. Yeah, we'll take some questions at the end we'll of the show. some questions at the end of the show, too. Um, we're going to first talk about last night because, you know, it was only a few hours ago that these games ended. It's <laughs> early for us. Um, Early for a hockey writer, um, 9.30 in the morning, that's for sure, to talk. So we're going to do our best here. Um, so so Columbus, so let's start with Columbus for a second, because Columbus beat the Islanders um, in their four, second. Four nothing, yeah. Four nothing in their second, like, straight, like, pretty dominating win that Columbus has had. And um, I believe, am I right about that? Um, yeah, they had a 5 nothing win over right. on the weekend. Yeah. So this is two shutouts in a row for them. Yeah, Bobrovsky's got three, and I think his last his last four starts. Yeah, so Bob Bob's stepping up, which is good for Bob because he's going to have to get a contract this year from this, this summer from somewhere. But um, but uh, but awesome for the Blue Jackets who really really needed this one last night in a in a huge way, and combined with Carolina's loss to Washington, um, puts makes things a little tighter tighter. I I think you know what you're seeing with Columbus though, you know, in in winning these games in dominating fashion is you're starting to see Columbus maybe putting together the pieces that they all that they got at the trade deadline and, and you're you're starting to see what could be a, actually a dangerous team if they if they keep going. Well, I mean the the thing is and I, I mentioned it yesterday that uh you have that big game on Thursday. 
it's Columbus and Montreal. And I think, and not to say it's all going to come down to that because it's, it's one game, but you know, it, it, with, with Columbus at 88 points, Montreal winning last night, them at 90, um, uh, Columbus has a game in hand so they can gain ground on, on Montreal yeah. that way. But if you beat Montreal, that gives you a leg up. And if Montreal beats you, that opens up a four point advantage. So I'm mean, really, I mean, at the absolute worst, Columbus has got to get a point out of that game. But honestly, I think they need to win in regulation. They are playing better. That you know, Bobrovsky's you know getting shutouts. They're scoring some goals, but they're still behind. And yeah. you know, right now, two points. You think two points is nothing? Two points is is a lot. It's, yeah, two points is a ton right now. I mean, the reality of the schedules though is it it does work well for Columbus. Um, it. And, uh, and and that's why I keep and I know you're saying Columbus and Montreal and when you look at the when you look at the standings right now that makes a ton of sense but I I think I think this comes down to Montreal and Carolina I think Columbus makes it just just based on who they're playing and 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 based on who's Carolina is playing which is just really Carolina like like last night loses to Washington um, they have got Washington again on Thursday yeah um, and the other games they have left are I mean they've got one they've got New Jersey that's the one game they have that, that that's, that's easy the right there's the way beyond that they've got Pittsburgh. And they've got two against Philly, who will be playing hard because they just they play Carolina tough, and I and Philly's not we've seen they're not trying to tank um, at all. Um, and then the other yeah. game they have is against Pittsburgh, who's playing for so I mean Pittsburgh and Toronto. So it's Washington, Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, Toronto, New Jersey, Philly. That's Carolina's schedule. That's tough. Yeah, I mean Toronto may not give them a I, because right now Toronto is in the in a mode where they may be alternating Sparks and Anderson down right. the stretch and giving some players a little bit of rest. So that might be an easier game than than normal than normal for for Carolina going into Toronto. But yeah, I mean it's it's a tough schedule. But and I know Montreal ends Montreal ends the season on a Saturday night at the Bell Center against Toronto. And if you don't think even if the Leafs are are home and cool right. that that they won't want to win that game to to uh, to eliminate Montreal, you got another thing coming because their entire fan base will basically say put everybody in there and beat the Habs. We hate them. Well, Montreal's schedule is no breeze either. Um, I mean, like you know, to not be on that Toronto game, you know, the other games they have are like you mentioned, Columbus. Um, and then Winnipeg, Tampa, and Washington. Yeah. I mean, so look. I mean, that, those are three potential cup teams. You know, I mean, Montreal's got their work, and, and it's it's at Columbus, and it's at Winnipeg, and it's at Washington. So you're looking at three games on the road. Washington and Pittsburgh are in this battle that's going to really come down to the end, I think, and it, it's a battle that matters a lot. So. And and more than like more than likely, Montreal is going to probably play Carey Price in every game down the stretch. Yeah. Can't see okay. them playing, you know, Niemi or you know anybody else. You know, you, if you're going to go down, you're going to go down with your with your best guy. They have to, no question. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, looking at Columbus's schedule at Montreal, like you mentioned, which is tough. Then they go to Nashville, which is going to be tough. And then Buffalo. they go. Then they go to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, they're home against Boston, which will be tricky. But they end on the last two days of the season. With in New, in New York against the Rangers and in Ottawa, so yeah. uh, this does this does favor Columbus to get in. I, I, it's it's strange. Columbus has played Boston, I think, three times in March. Yeah, recently. Yeah, no, they, 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 they played them a bunch of times. It's like I mean, no, they played them on the twelfth. 
the sixteenth, and now like again on the on the second of April. So I, I know this is taking a little bit of a, a, devi a deviation from what we're talking about, but I really think that the NHL schedule makers should re should review their. I mean, I know it's based on available dates, but like the NFL, the one thing the NFL does right in terms of scheduling, and the and, and Major League Baseball does this too, is in the stretch, like in in September and October. Or late early October, at the end of the regular season for baseball, you play your division part, your division uh, opponents. You play right. you know, the Yankees, play Boston, Baltimore, Toronto, etc. Uh, and in in some sometimes in football, most of the time they try to keep it either conference games or division games late in the season. Yeah, I I don't think playing like Columbus playing Winnipeg in the last week of March. Is it makes a lot of sense. It should be at worst mostly uh, all conference games and at best interdivision because then I think you know those rivalries, those battles for playing spot play, playoff spots. I mean, if you're going to justify having the playoffs be interdivision, then at the end of the regular season, it should be interdivision as well. I agree, and and usually they do it pretty well. This is the weirdest year I think for that because for some reason this year we're getting way more of that. Um, in the, I remember a couple of years there where there we were almost could say we were done out of conference games, you know, like that at some point. And this year, you haven't been able to say that at all. Like you're really looking at a bunch of conference games that are still going, a bunch of out of conference games that are still going. I mean, and, and but it feels different. I don't know. It must have been like you're saying. It's probably just buildings being more active, probably more bands touring. You know, it's all I can think of. There's got to be something. Yeah, like that. It's bizarre, but I mean, I I I really think it takes away from. And in a way, it's inherently unfair because I mean, if especially if you're playing like a top team in in the in the West, I mean, I, I yeah. haven't seen any like you know any um, you know cake matchups as as I would say, you know, like easy ones when it comes to Western Conference teams. I mean, it's mostly you know Winnipeg crossing over or Nashville. But I know Nashville played Toronto. I mean, that's it's you know I I think that there has to. I know Chicago played a bunch of games in the East. You know they should get those road trips and things things of that nature done in say February and have March be exclusively interconference or and interdivision when he can. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, let's look at so let's let's take a second now to look at the race for the bottom because. The the race for the bottom is 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 interesting. I mean, Ottawa is obviously the team right now with the worst record in, in hockey. And yeah, and of course they have the worst record and they're not gonna benefit from it, but Right. And they're trying. I mean they they won their they won two games in a row here. Um they won last night. Uh so winning two games in a row for Ottawa, that's that's something that hasn't happened all that often. Mm -hmm. Um right now they're at sixty points, you know. <laughs> my my projections have them finishing at sixty one. Like their rest of their schedule is pretty tricky for them and you know that they'll get one more point perhaps in there but i mean they could get more than that they're playing they're playing hard they're playing best so right above them um four points ahead of them is, are the la kings and uh at six there, there are 64 points right now and my projection time is ending at 68. i think that uh and then and so above them is detroit new jersey and buffalo now your buffalo is 11 points ahead of ahead of ottawa and you know the rangers are as well so those are the i think basically we're looking at only five or so games it, ottawa's got a really good shot at finishing last overall obviously um the kings you know are are not playing great hockey like last night they lost to the oilers um yeah they got this, they got destroyed by the oil handily yeah i mean you know i mean the, the thing the thing is that i mean you, 
starting with Ottawa, I mean, we know it's a tire fire. We know the whole situation with, with Melnick and, and, and I mean, the, the talk recently um, over the last week or so has been that they're looking to add a president of hockey operations, somebody to be a buffer between uh, uh, Pierre Dorian and, and Melnick. And uh, believe me, I think that, Pierre Dorian, if he could operate the team without the interference of Melnick, sometimes I think it would be a, a a a better process going forward. But you know, we don't know what their co their next coach is going to be, so that that's that's up in the air. Dorian is, I think, safe there. Um, but it it's just really it's really destructive, and we knew that this was going to happen. And I know they got Brady Kachuk with that first round pick, but this was a year where everything had to do with not fitting finishing last overall. And then at the deadline, with them trading Stone and Dzingle and and uh, and Duchesne, they got good returns for them. But still, the until the the lottery, which I think is April 9th, if they if there will be a, a, a giant sigh of relief in Ottawa if they if Colorado doesn't get the number one pick, even if it's second or third, I think they can live with that because I think Kachuk was fourth. But if they yeah. put up the number one and it's Jack Hughes, or they give up the number two and it's Capo Caco, and one of these guys turns out to be a star, then do you, then that organization, if you don't if you think they've been excoriated before, they will be raked over the coals then. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of talk. I mean, about you know when you the way that the way I, I really I personally love the way the system works now for getting the first overall pick in the lottery. I, I think it's a great system. I think it's because I mean the first overall right now it is an eighteen point five percent chance. Yeah, and um, you know, and I won't think it's, I won't think it's great if Edmonton gets it again. <laughs> I, I'm I'm for yeah. I'm for putting in I'm for putting in something that says if you win the lottery. Oh, I'm 100% for that too. In 2015, you cannot even if you win the lottery, you'll pick second. Yeah, I think I think you should never be able to get um, the first pick overall twice in a row. I mean, yeah. I, I, I I do agree with you 100% on that, and I think that and now you know with Edmonton, I mean Edmonton right now is at a three percent chance, so they're yeah. I mean, they're, they're really three point five percent. I mean, the way you know Ottawa is as bad as bad as they've been. You know, as horrible, and it doesn't matter how much more horrible you get, they can't get any better than eighteen point five percent chance of getting the first overall pick. Right, and getting a top three pick is about fifty percent for Ottawa. So, right, the way that that's the way it works out. That to me is you know is is pretty significant. When you look at this, when you look at the when you look at how this plays out, I really think that it. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty steady decline, but at the same time, I'm, I was trying to think of which point it really does make sense to want to lose, like. Obviously, you want to get the best percentage you can, but it's done pretty well where it goes from 18.5 to 13.5 mm-hmm. to 11.5 mm-hmm. to 9.5. So it basically, when you're at when by the time you get the top three are the only only three teams that have a more than greater than 10 percent chance of getting the first pick, right? Um, or you get in nine fourth is so fourth is 9.5. So say the top four teams. I mean, it's it's sort of, it's sort of like the system that we that was in play, and not in terms of percentages, but in terms of um, the top five really have. I mean, if you add up the odds sure. of the top five, I think it's over. I think it's over fifty percent. So, yeah. re- so really, I mean, if you're if you're Ottawa, L.A., Detroit, and New Jersey or Buffalo, you know, you have around a ten percent or closer to twenty percent chance. But you're you know, then it gets into three percent four percent it's like those aren't realistic i mean it happens it's you know there are long shots in horse racing so there are long shots come through in in hockey and in lotteries 
But, you know, the, the teams that have the most realistic chances are the ones that are in the bottom five. And, I mean, right now we know the L.A., they're going to have a new coach uh, next year. They're probably going to be some significant uh, roster changes, I, I would think, because uh, we know that uh, they're, they've tried to do some as much as they could in season. But I think, you know, Rob Blake looks at that team and, you know, their slow, slowness afoot and really, I think, has to address that to get up to speed with the rest of the league. Um, and, you know, there have, been, there have been rumors of Todd McClellan being the uh, possible destination, uh, the, the head coach uh, going going to L.A. Um, Detroit, I mean, it's a slow build. Um, and they've had, you know, I, I, I didn't think they were a playoff team going into the year. I think yeah. you know, they've, they've had a, some good performances. Jimmy Howard played well and they re-signed him for another year. But they're really rebuilding. And I, I don't know whether Detroit – is going to get big into free agency or try to do offer sheets or anything that of that nature because they have a lot of cap space. But you know, I, I to me, I think they're better off doing what they're doing, slowly building with uh, you know Zadina and and uh, and Mantha and and Larkin and the kids, yeah. you know, the kids that they're bringing along. Um, I'll tell you that you know, and I mentioned this before we started, the Sabers. And the Buffalo fan base, and I, because I'm here, I'm more attuned to what's going on. There is almost there is almost an insurrection going on in terms of the way the Sabers fans are reacting to the, the the Sabers organization this year. I think the worst thing that happened to them was the ten game winning streak, because once that happened, everybody said, "We're good again. We we're, we have a chance for a playoff spot." And then this team since that 10 game winning streak has been the worst team in the NHL and everybody's turning their, their, if they're not turning their guns on Phil Housley, uh, they're turning their guns on Jason Botterill and they're turning their attention to the ownership of this team. And Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula had a press conference yesterday in Arizona, I think where the NFL is having some meetings because he's owner of the bills as well. And he, all he talked about was, you know, he gave, sort of tacit backing and approval of Housley. And that's the last thing that anybody wants to hear here because, because uh, Housley right now is the poster child for two years of failure. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I said last week, I thought Housley was going to keep his job because Botterill, um, if he fires Housley, then he's the next guy in, on, uh, you know, on the, on the firing line. You know, you 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 get one coach. You hire your second coach, and there's failure next year. Then everybody everybody's going to be looking at Botterill in terms of why is this team not winning? But yeah. I, that's why I think they'll keep Housley. But this is you know this right this fan base is sick and tired of friggin' losing. They're tired of it. And, yeah. And and the Pagulas have had a real. Uh, easy time in terms of you know they fire coaches they fire general managers every couple of years and they then they they sell the rebuild and we save the Sabers we save the Bills but at, at a certain point saving them and keeping them in Buffalo it's it's one thing but you want these teams to win and people are sick and tired of losing yeah and you and you and you can hardly blame them you know I mean absolutely they and, but you know it, it's it's tricky because they are improving um, they have shown signs of improving. Um, I think, I think the auto is, I mean, and I think what the Sabres have to do is they need to just sign Skinner. And if they do that, um, at least, at least that shows forward movement, you know, like if they don't do that, then. Well, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not 
completely under their control. I mean, they can offer him a max deal and they can offer him nine million bucks, yeah. and he may not want to sign here. I mean, you would you yeah. would think you would think that it would have been done by now, but and and you know he's not helping his cause because I think he scored one goal in the last two months. So the people in the chat rumors are are are, are getting on Carter Hut hard about Carter Hutton about this. Sorry. Um. Well, okay. Um, I know that the expectation, and this is the thing, and we've talked about Carter Hutton, you know, jokingly, he's not a starting goaltender. He's not a number one goaltender. I, you know, I, I, he had a great half season with St. Louis. St. Louis is a, you know, in general, a good defensive club. He came out of the Nashville system. Nashville is a solid defensive club. The Sabres are not the Sabres. Uh, and, and, during the 10 game win streak, he played great. His save percentage is in the 800s since then. He's not a starting goalie. I think he was a stopgap to hopefully fill and play 35 to 40 games to let Linus Allmark get a, you know, sort of slow right. entree into the league. And Allmark really hasn't played that great down the stretch. But this is a team that, I mean, right now, defensively, they're, I mean, they're not inept, but they're not great. And yeah. uh, and their forwards are, are are you know are not deep, so you put a lot of weight on these goaltenders. And unless it's a goalie, unless you go out there and sign Sergei Bobrovsky, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, there's not. I don't know what, where the answer is in terms of getting an improvement in goal until uh, Uka Pekalukanen, their um, their second round pick from a couple years ago who won the uh, world junior with Finland and is playing in the OHL right now until he gets enough experience to be in the NHL. And that's the whole Carter Hart argument that we've, we've had. I mean, this is a 19 year old kid. It's going to be at least two years until he's ready. And you can't throw in a 20 year old goaltender behind a bad defense and expect him to stand on his head. You ruin goaltenders like that. So either you're going to have to improve the teams and the team in front of Hutton and Allmark and get them to to be able to play, you know, make it more advantageous, advantageous for them to play better. Or you got to go out and trade for a goaltender and hope that that guy stands on his head. Yeah. Yeah. Although you got to love the name of Capeca looking in. That's just such a great name. Yeah. It, 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 it rolls off the tongue. It is. It's just, uh, you know, and I've heard great things about him. I mean, there are some really good young goalies out there. I mean, I know Columbus, yeah, but, Columbus has high hopes on, um, on Elvis. You know, yeah, like, Elvis. He's, like, he's going to be such as, you know, and if he's all as advertised, I mean, I think that's the reason that they are not signing Bobrovsky. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine the mask with sideburns? Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Um, it'll be, it'll be quite, quite a show when he, when he comes over to, over and it, it's going to be good for that city and everything like that. That that's going to give them some hope because they're going to need it <laughs> after they you know when they lose when they lose guys this summer. Well, um, we I mean we've we've realized this year Eck, how uh, valuable a commodity goaltending is. Oh, yeah. Because- because of the backup situations, especially at like Toronto and you know Carolina scrambling for goaltending at after the after training camp and picking up McElhaney and and yeah. Mrazek. I mean with the expansion to 32 teams, I don't think there are a lot of organizations out there that have three or four or five goaltenders like they did in the past. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and looking at my, looking at the predators right now, going into the playoffs, they're a good, they're a really interesting case because Soros who um, has really played well lately mm-hmm. and, you know, and Rene who has struggled a bit, they, they, this is a real tough spot. The predators are in going into the playoffs with their goaltending situation because, you know, it's obvious that, you know, Rene, after last year's playoff performance, you know, which which left a lot to be desired, 
what they end up here, what they're going to do here is, you know, they're going to start with Rene for sure. But, you know, knowing it's not going to be quick. There's not going to be, it's not going to take very long to go to Saros. Well, if they, I mean, if they go down three, nothing in the first round series, bigger than that. I mean, this is, I, I think it's getting to the point where Laviolette almost sees them as a one and a one A, because, and that's and that sounds crazy to people out there. But you got to remember, this is Peter Laviolette, and and goaltenders, yeah, he has a really short leash with goaltenders when once he doesn't trust them. Um, and what happened last year has has you know definitely has Laviolette thinking twice. I, I think I think one bad game by Rene, and you could go to Saros, and, and doesn't mean you couldn't go back to Rene. That's the one thing about Peter, you know, Peter, we've seen before. He was, it's not like you know. Usually you go away from Rennie and then you're never going back to him. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, we Washington started Grubauer in their first round series, and he lost the first two games, and then they went to Holpe. I mean, Rennie's not having as bad a year as Holpe was having last year, right? And Rennie, and yeah, and 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 the question will just be, you know, can he find that level in the playoffs? And that'll be the whole key. I mean, because Saros has Saros is a real is a, is a much better goalie than I think that people give him credit for. He's he's very quick, very quick goalie. Um, yeah, a couple I mean, saves in the last game I watched, um, just like deflection saves that were phenomenal. Well, the, I mean, the one thing, the one thing that people don't factor in and now with, I, you know, I, they use the term load management in the NBA for guys like Kawhi Leonard, you know, who are sitting out games because they don't want them to be too taxed when it gets to the playoffs. But in the NHL with 82 games and you have a veteran goaltender like Rene, who I think is 37 or 38 years old, yeah. you may have to in a playoff series. I know that usually there's a game in a day in between games, but yeah. if you have if you're up two to one in the series and you have a home game, and you have a backup that you are confident in, like Saros, it might be beneficial for you to play Saros in that game and get and get Rene the rest that he needs. Right. Because we know we know that the we know that the playoffs are more taxing. They're you know you see players sapped of energy as the as the rounds go along. And with a guy who's thirty seven, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about this in terms of with the Leafs with a guy like Ron Hainsey. I would think that they would give him a couple days of rest before the playoffs because we know Mike Babcock's going to play him twenty six, twenty seven minutes a night. Right, right. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's no question about it. Um, last thing I think before we can touch on a little bit today is matchups in the playoffs because they're starting to there's starting to be some interesting calls on teams and i always i always we always talk about this and we always say oh it, you know teams can't play to matchups and yet when they don't play to matchups they sometimes get smoked you know by it um you've seen the rangers in the past a couple times you know go for it and and, and try and end up you know winning games that they really would not have wanted to win because of who they're going to end up playing right and last night's carolina's loss last night um put the Islanders in a pretty safe spot as the third team. Um, because before that it was good. It was, you know, if Carolina wins last night, it's a two point difference. Um, th- now it's, a, it's back to a five point difference, right? So, or four points, I guess now. Yeah. 95 to 91. And we just talked about Carolina's schedule. And even though Carolina's got a game in hand, it can make it two points. It's still possible. Carolina catches them, but Carolina's schedule, like we talked about is going to be really, really hard. Well, I, I think that the fact that, Washington is three points up on both Pittsburgh and the Islanders. I mean, obviously it gives them the inside track on first place yeah. uh, in, in the division, but um, Pittsburgh Islanders as a potential first round match, I, I don't like that from the, from the point of view of the Islanders. I think they would, I think they would fit better against Carolina or maybe even Washington. I know Washington won the Stanley Cup, but I, I you know, I think that the, the type of game that they play was more yeah. more conducive to playing Washington. I think Pittsburgh, 
I think Pittsburgh is going to roll over the Islanders. I do. Well, and here's the thing. I think, I mean, I think neither Washington nor Pittsburgh should really want to play Carolina right now um, because Carolina is playing way better than the Islanders. Um, there's no two ways about that. They are. I mean, they've been gaining on the Islanders like crazy. They're just they're just a better hockey team right now. I, honestly, I think the I think right now of the 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 easiest opponent in uh, in the East would be Montreal. I don't I don't agree at all. Um, I mean, and and and, and not and, and let me not, you know not yeah. because I mean Carey Price is a great goaltender, no doubt, and he can raise his level to to steal games, but. Montreal has shown, in spite of the fact that they scored, I think, five or six goals last night against Florida, that down the stretch they've had trouble scoring goals. Now they've been able to, you know, they've been able to win games because they've limited the other teams and Price has played great. But I don't think that there's a lot. And Jonathan Drouin is not producing the way that, you know, they've got a great year out of Max Domi. Tatar has played pretty decently. Gallagher's yeah. Gallagher. But Drouin is not producing as, as well. And they don't have a ton of offense. And I think against a good team in a playoff scenario, it will be easy to shut Montreal down. They would have to win. They're going to have to win a lot of 2 1, 1 0 games. And when you're limited like that, you're not a tough opponent. Well, they, I mean, they're definitely. They have their holes. They're a young. They're a very young team. Um, but I, I think what's what's happening is not that they're having trouble scoring down the stretch. It's just that they've decided to play defense down the stretch. Um, and that you know they know you know obviously you know Julian Julian knows that if you're going to have any success in the playoffs or even get to get to the playoffs, you're going to have to be better defensively. They have the they've they've shown they can score. There's no question about it. So I think the idea here is okay. Let's see if we can shut teams down and. and and they've been very effective with shutting teams down. Um, yeah, but the th- but the thing is, and I, I've I've written about this regarding regarding the Leafs the last week or so. You know, after they gave up twenty three goals in four games, and you know they're playing in Philadelphia tonight. Yeah. Um, last week, Babcock said defense, 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 and they shut and they significantly cut down on shots on goal in games against Nashville, Buffalo. Uh, I think it was um, all the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, less than 30 shots in each game. Problem is they stop scoring in those games. Right. So they're devoting so much energy and so much detail to the defensive end of the ice that they're not able to con- not able to uh, convert offensively on their power plays or at, on five on five. And the, the 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 point of view of a good team is to be able to play at both ends of the ice at the same time. Tampa can do it. Washington can do it. Maybe Pittsburgh can do it. Right now, but maybe I think Boston can do it. I don't know if Toronto or any other uh, the other teams in the East can. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. When, when Toronto won against Florida, they won seven five. It was wide. It was a wide open offensive affair. You're not going to see those games in the playoffs. And if you do, it'll it, you know be the first time since that Penguins Flyers series years ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of interesting when you go through the teams in the East that are making the playoffs, and you try to ask yourself what is the best defensive team in there. Um, you know, and it, it is the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders are the best defensive team in the in the in, of the eight teams in the playoffs. I mean, in they terms have, of goals against, yes, and yeah. just in terms of yeah, and the ability to like keep games low scoring and stuff like that. They've shown that they obviously they are the worst offensive team though, right? So, um, but that you know, so that's why the Islanders are in, are are the Islanders are tricky in the playoffs because that kind of stuff t- tends to play in their favor. If they, if I mean, and they also have to decide who, who they're going to go with in goal, and everybody, you know, thinks it'll be a liner. <laughs> it'll start a liner maybe, but I don't know. I don't know how long that will go, but um, <laughs> we'll see. 
But I think, you know, the, the easiest team in the playoffs to play right now, if I was one of the places right now, I think would be Toronto, to be honest, because the Leafs are the Leafs just are giving up so many goals. Um, now that could all change, of course, with when they get healthier. But, um, you know, I, I, with Carolina right now is just, is just, I mean, I would, I would argue that the team, the two, I think the Leafs could beat any of the, uh, either any of the wild card teams. I think they could beat the Islanders, although that would be a really entertaining series. I think they could beat Pittsburgh. I just don't know whether they can beat the three teams that they would likely have to get through to get to the Stanley Cup, which is yeah. Boston, Tampa, and Washington. Then yeah. until you can until you can do that, I don't know. Can you call them a serious contender if they if they are you know long shots to beat those teams? That's that's the question that I've been asking myself and and analyzing all season is like okay until you make their defense better. Are they a Stanley Cup contender? And my assertion is they're, they're a great offensive team. They got Tavares, they got Matthews, they got Marner. They can't stop anybody when it counts, and they right. have to depend on Freddie Anderson to stand on his head. And if he doesn't, they'll lose. So, right, yeah, that I mean, they need huge. Um, I mean, they're going to need incredible goaltending, and yeah. uh, and that there's no question about that. But you know, I mean, you know, stranger things can happen. Anderson can't get hot. I, I think that. Yeah. I actually think that they match up better against Boston than most people do. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know that that's going to, I know that there's nothing historical there, but it, it, the, the one thing I'll say about, and this is, this is might be crazy. You know, this is a crazy Eklund thing. I know people are going to say that, but Mr. Counterintuitive watch. Yes. The counterintuitiveness of hockey is, and you know, I'm counterintuitive because this is a counterintuitive sport quite often. And what you find is, you know, when everybody in the world, thinks that a team is going to beat a team in a playoff series. Like everybody says Boston's going to beat a team in a playoffs. It's going to beat Toronto in the playoff series is when it gets, you know, a guy like Babcock can use that to his advantage. Well, I mean, it does put pressure on Boston. Everybody's ex kind of pressure on Boston and yeah, but, very good at diverting pressure. But, but, but the thing is, and, and and there is, there is a reason for that assumption. And the, and the reason is, is oh, yeah, and are the Leafs a better team than they were last season? Talent wise, yes. But in yeah, the playoffs, yeah. they had they had veteran guys like Polak and Komarov that could offer a bit of pushback um, to when when the when the Bruins try to take liberties. And believe me, in that series, Marchand, Backus, and those guys are going to run. And I'm not saying run them into the boards illegally, mm -hmm. but they're going to they're going to you know, uh, take liberties on Tavares, on Matthews, and Marner, and they, the Leafs right now are basically turning the other cheek, getting the power, hoping to get the power play and score goals, and that's their deterrent. That doesn't work in the playoffs. Right. You don't right. get as many power plays as you normally do in the regular season, and they're the team in the league that has drawn the least amount of penalties. So you cannot depend on your power play to be uh, your deterrent. You need players that push back, and they don't have many. Right. No, they don't. They don't for sure. Um, let me let me just one th one Good. thing. Um, and this will be for future reference, and I'm sure we'll be uh, covering this daily in the summer of 2020. Um, it came out yesterday, and it's not hasn't been confirmed yet, so it could still change. But Adam Fox, uh, who a defenseman for Harvard, uh, who is up for the Hobie Baker. Uh, he's a Carolina uh, pro uh, product. He was or he was acquired in the Dougie Hamilton deal. So he was drafted by Calgary, and now he's property of Carolina. Um, 
it's it's come out that it's he's deciding to stay at Harvard for a senior year. This is the same path as Jimmy VC. Uh, he may win the Hobie Baker this year, and if he does, then every team in the world will line up to try to woo him to come because he'll be an entry level contract for two years, and right. and teams like you know. Top teams like Tampa and Toronto and other teams as well will go after this guy because he is an NHL talent, and um, you can get him for the price of a uh, of a contract. And that you know, in this league where talent is king, you know, and he's a skilled player too. It, you know, he is going to be the Jimmy VC of 2020 if he does. Let me ask you: Is he better than VC? Well, I mean, Russ would be Russ would be better to ask that, but I'll yeah. say this. I, I posed the question, will the hubbub and the pursuit of him be bigger than VC? And I think yes, because he's a defenseman and he's a right-hand shot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. So, I mean, that's – I mean, there are so many teams out there that need right-hand shot defensemen, and he – you know, he's not a big guy. I think he's 5'10 and 190 pounds. Um, well, we'll talk about this with Russ tomorrow, but I, I think yeah. I think that the pursuit of him will dwarf VC. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that's, I I think you're absolutely 100 percent right, just because of the defensive aspect of things. Um, and uh, it is interesting. So Carolina is losing him, right? And if he if he doesn't, I mean, okay, their, their rights don't expire on him until July one of 2019. So right. um, he goes back for a senior season, but you don't expect anything to change because he's already made the decision. To, and and then it's like VC where. If you remember, uh, um, Nashville traded his rights to Buffalo. Once he goes down this path, he's going to free agency. That, that's the that's d definitely the aim. You know, like I mean, unless there's a team out there that he specifically wants to go to, um, that the, his rights are traded to, he's going to go to July first as a free agent, and then they can't be signed until August fifteenth. So I, I think once this decision is announced one way or the other if it is he's going back to harvard then fast forward to july of 2019 all right so august 15th august 15th 2019 is going to be fox day is that what we're going to say yes it will be fox yeah bc day yeah fox on the run fox. <laughs> all right um we got one question then we're going to get out of here okay um all right, so Vepsis in the chat room says, um, which one do you fear more, Mike? Leafs having to face the Bruins round one or the offseason ahead of the Leafs? When do you when do you think considering Sheldon Keith as head coach for the Leafs would come into question? Okay, do I – I mean, I don't fear anything. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that – you know, the, the task in front of them in terms of Boston is, you know, I mean, they, I think they would have rather played anybody other than Boston. Now they have to deal with the psychological uh, aspects of the playing against the Bruins who they lost in seven games to Jake Gardner with his minus five and, and then losing three or four games this year against them. It's all, all that chatter is going to be brought up before game one. And, you know, they're going to have to have the, you know, the ability to fight through that. And if they can do that, then it shows a lot of growth, growth that they can beat Boston. If they don't beat Boston, I think the offseason will be very interesting, which will be good news for Hockey Buzz, um, because I am of the opinion that until they get another top four defenseman, they're not going anywhere. And the only way that they're getting a top four defenseman on top of Riley and Muzzin, and they really, I think they need two because Hainsey may retire or that they bring him back, he should be a bottom pairing guy, 
is to trade one of Nylander or Janssen or Kapanen. And I know Kyle Dubas doesn't want to do that, but for salary cap reasons and for asset management, you have to improve that defense. They have some young guys coming along, but guys like Timothy Liljegren and Rasmus Sandin aren't going to be able to be plugged in, in a top, as a top four for probably a couple years. So you've got to go out and get that defenseman. And if they don't, then I think a lot of hubbub in Toronto next training camp is why hasn't Kyle Dubas made this move? So it'll be a very interesting offseason either way. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun one because everywhere you know, and as much as you hear offer sheets are not happening, offer sheets are not happening, offer sheets are not happening. It is incredible how many times you hear offer sheets are happening right now. Um, and yeah. and, and it's, it's a scare tactic. That's all. It's a scare tactic. It's when there's and there's teams that are definitely willing to say it. Um, there are some people who will like tell you off the record that we're going to offer sheet this person or that person. And it's kind of interesting when they do that because you always have to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, at the end of the day, offer sheets are very complicated. They're, they're it's, incredibly complicated. It's interesting when they do that and they're doing that behind the scenes. The thing is, is that if they have an inkle and if they have an inkling that a player on another team is w willing to sign an offer sheet, isn't that tampering? You know what I'm um, saying? I mean, well, no, they can, they can, they can just say they're going to offer sheet this player. Um, it doesn't mean well, that they're the, the player has to agree to the offer sheet, though. Yeah, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the player is going to agree to it. I mean, the, it, it's not really tampering in that situation. You know, I, I, everybody's talking about Mitch Marner being offer sheeted because well, the, the big thing is that Mitch Marner does have to agree to it. And yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, right. And, but but do, you know, do you think Braden Point uh, Braden Point is going to agree to uh, you know to leave Tampa where he, if they don't want a Stanley Cup, if they want a Stanley Cup, maybe he he is open to doing that because they can't pay him what other teams might be able to pay him. Right. right. But yeah, that that's that's the thing that is forgotten when it comes to offer sheets both sides have to agree ryan o'reilly was anxious to get out of colorado because they wouldn't pay him as much as matt duchene that's the last offer sheet we've had right if there's a situation out there where a player is dying to get out of the dying to get out of a, of, of a situation um then yes i think there's a chance for it but i don't see any of these big guys like aho or line a or kyle connor or marner anxious to get out of the places that they're at yeah yeah i, I think that that's a good point um all right let's do this uh okay. lottery simulator right, here we go i'm getting this yep i had, I had it already i'm just blew it here we go all right here we go ready his winner is anaheim the anaheim ducks um that would be a welcome addition the speed of jack hughes with the lumbering Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, you can see here that they grabbed, they're only at a 6.5% chance of getting the first pick overall. So that's a big jump. They jumped up six points. Vancouver also jumps up six spots uh, to number two. So yeah. Florida, eight spots, number three. So we're talking about a really crazy. Yeah, that's, that's the best case scenario for Ottawa finishing with the fourth pick. They would love that. By far the best case scenario for them. And then, you know, and for teams like the Kings and the Red Wings, all these teams falling three spots down. Um, yeah, that, that's a tough spot for them to be in for sure. All right, folks. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Um, I am going to be blogging shortly here and I have a, actually a, an interesting, um, a little, little breaking news I'm going to put up on, on my blog. So check it out in a few minutes here. I'm, I have to do some calls, but I think, I think I might have some information on the Seattle general manager position. So keep, 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 in, keep watching the website. Remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.